This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. How's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> Hi, my name is Jake Tapper, and I feel ironic about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. We're plowing through the summer, unless it's a, uh, unless of course it's a rebroadcast. Maybe you're listening to this years from now and it's, and maybe you're in a part of the world where it's not only winter, but it's freezing out. So me talking about the summer is just stupid. Plowing through the summer. We're yeah. plowing through the summer. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm, of course, uh, something in my throat. Oh, uh, no. A bug. no, you know what? I have a, um, I got a cold last week. And uh, my throat's a little iffy. And so just my throat wasn't working correctly for a second. And it was a crucial second because I'm podcasting to billions of people around the world oh, right now. Too. With a sore throat, how do you plow through the summer? Yeah. Well, I'm going to. Okay. And you had a cold last week? We saw you last week yeah. and you breathed over Man, all He of does them. this to us all the time. Yeah. I just think it's a celebrity cold. And you're <laughs> welcome to have it. You can sell it on eBay. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, my point is, Joined by Sonam Obsession, Matt Gorley. Yes. And the point I'm making is that I used to have a lot of anxiety. I was very happy about the summer, obviously, because I didn't like going to school. And when the summer would come, the minute July 4th was over, I started getting anxious oh, yeah. about, oh, no, no, the summer, it's going too quickly. You know, how do I slow it down? And then suddenly it's July 15th, and you think, no, oh, this is awful. It's oh, almost August, God. and it was just this terrible. And then I would ruin the summer 
Because you were worried because about Because I was worried about the summer not I know being long feeling. enough. I had that problem too. Did Are you, you have serious? it too? Yeah. yeah. I loved staying home from school so much that I almost couldn't enjoy it. I always enjoy the day before a day off more than the day off. Yes. Isn't that horrible? I understand that. Yeah. I always liked sort of late Friday afternoon was my favorite part of the weekend because technically the weekend hadn't yeah. started yet. Yeah. And then once the weekend started, there was all this anxiety about it's going too quickly. Oh, no. God. Yes. That so is good. not me at all. I enjoyed it up until Sunday, uh, Monday morning. You don't get Sunday blues? <laughs> no. Oh, I would get terrible Sunday blues. You, I didn't even know that was something people had. Oh, I used to bust out my harmonica. <laughs> oh, my God. And I made and I used to sit on my front porch in Brookline, Massachusetts. Wah, 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 wah. Got the Monday blues. Wah, 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 wah. So you guys just didn't enjoy my yourselves. Shoes. Oh, I made my room into a prison cell and I just rub a cup against the bars. You don't rub it. You rattle it. You That's rub it? Rub it is you erotic. It in your room? Oh, it was a purely sexual thing. You guys didn't ever do rub a cup? <laughs> Come on. Oh, I can't oh, wait. You're oh, good. Out. Everyone's gone. I can rub this cup against these bars. Takes away the Sunday blues. Let me tell you that much. Oh, anyway. Uh, yeah. And so now I don't have it as much as an adult because uh, I don't have to go to school again in the fall. Yeah. But I had it, uh, a bad case of it. So I'm th I was just thinking about this because I remembered ha feeling the countdown happening yeah. after... July 4th and having some anxiety about it. But that only gives you like a few weeks where you actually enjoyed your summer. It's a curse. It's oh. not a good thing. I'm surprised both of you were like this. We're similar in a lot of ways. You we don't are. Want to admit it. Yeah. Oh. No, we are. Okay. We have similarities. Well, we both... You know, we're taking a break for this show. The, the listeners won't know. It'll continue to come out steadily, but we're taking a month off where we're not going to see each other. Do you think like three weeks or two, even one weekend, you're going to start to go, oh no, I have to go back? No. Because you enjoy us. Because you love us. I do enjoy doing this. I'm not going to make a joke. I do enjoy hanging with you guys. But uh, this will give me a chance to really get in shape. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm surprised because I thought you liked school. And you're like, yay, I get to no. learn again in a few weeks. No. no, I was very anxious about school. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of anxiety about school. Right. Especially elementary school, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, all through. I mean, it was anxiety provoking for oh, me. Okay. I was a crier. You cried? Yeah, wow. they dropped me off. At Is that true? Yeah, I would cry. I would scream and cry. Yeah. Sometimes I see you outside so the podcast studio crying, <laughs> and you've just been dropped off by your mother. Yes. And you have a note on your shirt that says, "Hi, my name is Matt. I'm I allergic to nuts. I would still like to be viewed as a tough person, but I was a crier. You want? Yeah. Still I don't want to be viewed to, as a tough person. I don't want this to person. hurt my perception that people have of me. Yeah. As a you're a tough big, guy who cries, yeah. and when put in prison. The first thing you'll do is take your cup and rub it against the bars <laughs> in an erotic ecstasy. Hey, can I tell you something? This is completely sure. taking us in a different direction sure, now. Sure, boss. But um, it's something that popped into my head recently, and now it's taking me out of every TV show or movie I watch, which is when you're watching a TV show, and I may have mentioned this before, but sometimes... My family and I, now that we're all together again, my daughter was off in college, but we're all back. Sometimes if we want to all do something together, we watch, say, like an old, a vintage gossip girl, mm. you know? And one of the things that I can't get out of my head is they'll show, a scene will start with the elevator opening and a guy coming out, like Chuck Bass, or one of these serious characters coming out and giving some grave oh, news. Chuck Bass. And, um, or like this old guy who's supposed to be a senator or a captain of industry who's the father of one of these young people, the elevator door opens up and he comes out. And all I can think about is how it's not a real elevator, that the actor oh, yeah. has to sit in there until people <laughs> on either side pull the doors open oh. and he comes out. And so 
it's kind of in my head now, and I'm noticing it in all TV shows and movies. Now, if you're watching a high-class movie, yeah, sure, it's a real elevator and the door shuts. But in a lot of cheesy TV shows, especially from the 90s, 2000s, a character will say something like, you haven't heard the last from me. I'll be back, and when I am back, you'll all wish you were dead. And he'll step onto an elevator, and there'll be dramatic music, and the door's shut. And I know that... <laughs> The actor's now just standing in a box. Oh. <laughs> they just shut the door and he has to wait. And it takes away all the dramatic tension. Yeah. Does anyone else think about this well, or is it just me? I, no, but now that you say that. Like it ruins Star Trek for me. All oh, those 60s yeah. Star Treks where I just know that Kirk is like, we've got to get to the transporter room immediately. Let's go. And he and Spock rush in and the door is shut. And I know that there's two guys getting union pay to move the door shut. Why do you have and to now, think this? And now... They're standing in there until someone yells cut. Just don't think it. It's too late. Stop thinking. I have the potential if I spread this idea that whenever you're watching a TV show and someone gets on an elevator and says a dramatic line and the doors close or it gets off an elevator, I'm sorry, it's going to take you out of the TV show. It's going to ruin it for you. It's an elevator. No, Maybe it's, it's taking not. It's a box. Thing, it's not an elevator. It's a box. And there's two guys on either side that are closing a door. And then Maybe. they're eating a sandwich afterwards and saying, hey, did you hear the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor? Well, how do you That's feel about happening. like scenes that are shot in airplanes and submarines and stuff that aren't or real? Cars. Or cars, yeah. Oh, but first of all, it's just the idea that they get in a, it's so yeah. embarrassing that they have to get in a box and say something like, I'm going now up to the top floor, the very top. And when I get there, all your careers will be ruined. Doors slide shut. Actor stays in trapped box <laughs> until two union guys, stagehands, open the box and actor has to come back out and see all the people he just told off. You guys both suck. No, you no, suck. You, no, you suck. I, well, I, watch oh, this. Great comeback. Hey, listen to this. Huh. You suck. Oh, good one. I won. Did good you hear? One. Well, I'd like to try one. Yeah, you try. You suck. Yeah. Hey, you wait both, a minute. You're you both, pretty good. You both are ruining summer and you're ruining elevators. What are you happy about? What do you guys like? Santa what do you Claus. like? <laughs> Santa Claus. Why did you say it like that? <laughs> Santa Claus. <laughs> what are you, Hans Gruber? I and, like and... Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus. I don't like this. Okay. Okay. You've made your point. Yeah. Well, but I, I think the bigger point is that when an actor gets in an elevator. <laughs> okay. Now, or it gets out of an elevator. You know? I do you like? You ruin something. I'm not going to ruin anything. Oh, nice like try. Everything. Now you're ruining this. I'm not you guys. I like things. I enjoy things. You I'm know what the pro look your problem is, Sona? You enjoy everything. Everything. Every time yeah. that, that there'd be a screener, and all those years before we knew you, Matt, and I was doing the late night shows, all those years that Sona worked for me, they would set up a screening for a movie. Every time we'd go and see a movie, when it was over, Sona would say, I loved it. <laughs> and I would say... You know, because we saw everything. You'd see everything. And we saw some really great movies. And we saw some movies that eh, even the actor in the, who's the star of it would right. come on the show. And in the commercial break, it'd go, yeah, I know, not so good. But what are you going to do? And i go, oh, I thought it was pretty good. No, come on, let's face it. Every time, someone would go, I loved it. I just really like that people did that. Like somebody, <laughs> somebody wrote it. Someone oh, wrote it. Sona. Someone directed it. Hundreds of people like swept up the set and built it. That's exciting, and that's good for them. I know, but we would watch. Cool. Sometimes we would watch a terrible movie, and you'd be like, and you would get mad at me. I go like, I don't know. That movie doesn't make any sense. I mean, they introduce the character of the brother in the second act, oh. and then he completely disappears, and then he's a walrus in the end, and they never explain. You'd go, they made it. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> And we just all agree, and I think we can all agree, that <laughs> summer goes by too quickly. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yes. No, it doesn't. And But the main point that I think we all agree nope. on nope. is nope. that nope. 
when no. an actor gets on an elevator no! or gets off an elevator, no! they're getting into a box that's going nowhere. No. And to me, that is a metaphor for the political state of America today. Oh my God. We're you a box guys, going can nowhere. You, no, yep. let, let's just enjoy things. Okay. Just enjoy Should summer. We, uh, get the show going. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. I just Santa enjoy Claus. a lot of stuff. I do. I, I think everything I is very cool. I enjoy stuff. What a great bold statement. I, I do. Wow. I think what that people, are you people make for? things and we, that's good for them. Yep. Good for them. Good for them. All yeah. right. Let's get this show on the road, we shall we? Yeah. yeah. Hated a lot of good stuff too. Okay. Settle down. Like your pipe and you're like, I didn't like the third act. You're the worst. You're worse to watch movies with. All right, I didn't mean that. You're actually really fun to watch movies with. You were really cool about it. Anytime an actor gets on an elevator, they're getting in a box. Here we go. Hey, my guest today is CNN's chief Washington correspondent and host of The Lead with Jake Tapper, which airs weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. His latest book, All the Demons Are Here, is out tomorrow. Excited he's with us today. Jake Tapper, welcome. I was in uh, Washington, D.C. not long ago for a uh, to help usher in uh, Adam Sandler getting the uh, Mark Twain Award because Mark Twain, Adam Sandler are often mentioned in the same breath. (laughs) And um, I know it was a really fun, uh, fun event. A lot of people came out for it, including the ghost of Twain, who was not happy. (laughs) But that aside, because I was in D.C., uh, I reached out to to Jake. I let him know that I was in town. And you invited me over to your home. Yeah. He came over to the house. Oh. He, uh, we had dinner at our favorite restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chipotle. then he was... <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a it's a it's a very good restaurant where Wolf Blitzer shows you to your table. <laughs> He's the, it's called Blitzers, and they just sell blintzes. <laughs> That's and it. It's but many flavors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so many, there's 36 flavors of blintz, and he shows you to the table, and it's and then it's embarrassing because he hangs around until you tip him. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you were very nice because you invited me to your home. I don't think I told you this, but I got there. I took an Uber over, and sometimes Uber's not precise, and I, I took an Uber over from my hotel to where you, the address that you gave me for your house, and I realized, I'm like 10 minutes early, so I'm just going to walk down the street. It's a really nice neighborhood, and I'm walking down the street a little bit, and this father-son come walking up the street. They're walking their dog. They said, uh, hey, if you're lost, Jake's up that way. Wow. <laughs> they pointed me to your house. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I guess it's so clear that I'd be the only person I'd hear to you know be seen with is uh, is Jake Tapper. But anyway, we went out. We had a really good time. It was fun. And then this is where you and I are in such symbiosis. After dinner, we went back to your house. You said, "Here, I want to show you something." And we walk around the neighborhood. And oh, yeah. you said, "See that house right there? That's where uh, Lyndon Johnson lived when he was in the Senate." And then he was like, "Let's go this way." And then he shows me another house. And he was like, "See that house? That was uh, Jagger Hoover. Jagger Hoover's house." And, and I said, "Clyde." That, and Clyde. And I was like, this is fantastic. And of course, I know that about you because in your books, and these you're here to, to talk about, uh, among many other things, yeah. uh, you've got a new book, All the Demons Are Here, and you're uh, picking up on these characters. He's actually the children of the two characters you've been, uh, you've been uh, describing and uh, depicting in your other books. But you have all these great pop culture references and political references to the 1950s and 60s in the other books. 
And I love that stuff. Yeah. I can't get enough of it. You were the one of the first, um, I sent a copy of the first book to the Hellfire Club, which is takes place in 54 and has uh, our favorite president, uh, President Eisenhower, as a, as a character in the book. And that was, it was basically a book written for me and you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I actually fact-checked the book. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, he had his, his heart attack in his second term. Uh, I saved you from yeah. massive lawsuits. Uh, that was close. But... Jake does a very good job of, and I'm, gonna, I'm not talking like you're not in the room, but I'm instructing. These two don't read. They don't mm. know how to read. They don't. Um, they don't read. Uh, well, no, you read the novelizations <laughs> of old Dynasty episodes. Okay. But, no. uh, that sounds I, pretty good. They're actually very good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you do too. <laughs> yes. He writes them. I write them. Is, is that a real thing? The no, it's not. No, but it will be. I don't be. think so. It will that's, be. A, that's a million dollar idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> You that's heard a, it here first. It's really good. Have you ever those clips come pop up every now and then, like an old dynasty. Oh, they're fantastic. No, they don't, Jake. Not on TV, on like Twitter or whatever. Oh. Like, yeah. They'll be like Alex uh Carrington, is that the name yes. of the character? Alexis. Alexis Carrington. Carrington and I loved how often how many times one of them got shoved into a pool. <laughs> they just decided that was what you do is when when one woman with uh wearing a dress with massive shoulder blades <laughs> and a massive ring who's an icon. Uh, was pushes another into a pool. Mm -hmm. A lot of pools were, were handy. Back yes, then, it seems, it seems. <laughs> and sadly filled with acid. <laughs> You'd hear ah, and then a skeleton would float to the top. Listen, okay. we got way off topic. What I was trying to say to you guys is that uh, Jake takes all of these true life events and he writes uh, these novels, and all the demons are here is one of them, and they're really I enjoy them so much because he has got the characters bumping into people. Uh, from in the let's say late forties, early fifties. Then you're the this was the second book was in the second 60s. book is the Devil May Dance and yeah that was the Rat Pack and Sin Sinatra is like a, a big character in it yeah right and I love you have members of the Rat Pack out trying to help solve the crime which was really <laughs> which was really funny to me that it's just like no I think they would have been they wouldn't have been in any shape <laughs> Dean Martin's like now hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> and then this one's 77 and like the uh, the main character, one of the main characters is Evil Knievel. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Evil Knievel is one of the main Do you, characters. Now you weren't alive for, because this takes place in 77 and it takes place after Evil Knievel's jump of Snake River Canyon. I was born in 73. Okay. So but one, you, don't, you were one when the Snake River jump happened. But boy, was I there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there is, there is footage of a little boy <laughs> wearing a tweed suit and large glasses that only an adult would wear. <laughs> I stowed away in his saddlebags and made the jump with him. <laughs> yeah, they said, they said he would have made it, but he was unfortunately a pound and a half too heavy. <laughs> and it was all tweed. You and I would have similar memories because in this book, it takes place uh, in 77. And I remember 1977 very well because all these epic things happened. But you do reference the, the Snake River jump, which was a couple of years earlier. Yeah. That was such a huge event. I remember as a kid... They told us that they were going to put Evil Knievel in a rocket yep. and fire him over a canyon. Nothing, ex you know, sparked our imagination more than that. And there was no, I don't think it was broadcast. All I know is that we were visiting my cousin in Worcester, Mass, and we raced out to the car to listen to what happened. And they said, well, looks like he didn't make it. And I thought, they oh, thought he died. They thought he died because yeah. he misses. I don't even think he came close. No, he did not. <laughs> you know, it's, it was like one of those rockets from like um, the Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote oh. rockets, like really makeshift. And one of the other things that's so weird about it is that this was actually considered like an athletic event. 
Like he was on the cover of Sports Illustrator. <laughs> this is not a sport. This wasn't, I mean, first of all, he was barely a good motorcycle rider to begin with. Like he just was like the. the he was willing to yes, try. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and it's so funny because in this book, in this book, uh, one of your main characters, uh, one of the, the two children. Ike, of, yeah. And, and, and Ike is working with, and, and you make this point, he's not even riding motor. Cycles, and I'm guessing that you have done the research on this. Ike is complaining because he has to kind of check out the machinery and everything, and he's working for Evil Can Evil, and he has to check out the machinery. And I'm guessing you researched this that he's riding bikes you're not even supposed to jump in. No, they're not good. They're not good for jumping. Uh, it's but, like Harley's and stuff. Yeah, no, it's really weird. But he was just willing to do it, and he built this, you know, incredible career that kind of in '77 is kind of the beginning of the end of it. Um, 74 was like his big, everybody, people, there are people our age, Conan, who, who think that they remember him jumping over the Grand Canyon, but that never happened. It was Snake River and he never made it. It was in a rocket ship, not on a, not on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, let's clear that up. You know, because we have people, no, no, we get people texting us all the time. Yeah, evil himself. Yeah. I interviewed Evil Knievel on the late night show. Did you really? All I remember is uh, it was not long before he passed. He didn't move very well. No. And I remember because I think the thing that every kid knew, this is how big Evil Knievel was. We all knew everything about Evil Knievel. I had his toy. There the, was a the, the wind up. Yeah, yeah you would, wind up, you would yeah. wind up a motorcycle and you could do jumps with it. And I spent thousands of hours with my Evil Knievel wind up. And it would crash just like Evil would and fly <laughs> into pieces. Um, but uh, Evil Knievel, what we all knew is that he had broken every bone in his yeah. body like 15 times. And so this, there's a scene at the beginning of the book that's based on his real, a real event, which is in January 77, he literally um, jumps sharks. He, then this is like seven months before Fonz did oh, it. Wow. Like, he, like he set up a pool in Chicago and I think ABC maybe had soured on him, so he was doing it for CBS. It was a special. It was going to be uh, hosted by Telly Savalas and Jill St. John. Of, co of course. And by the way, they were the original hosts of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was Telly Savalas. It was Conor O'Brien. He's a friend with Telly Savalas and Jill St. John. <laughs> and uh, and he was going. And it was and everything because this is post Jaws. Jaws was you know huge best seventy five. Yeah. yeah, and huge um, huge film. And so everything was Jaws. And so he came up with this idea. And so much of the stuff in the book uh, having to do with Evil Knievel is just real from his actual press conferences, from his actual events. And he and he in rehearsals hurt himself. And so the entire uh, the entire special went on, but he wasn't part of it. And yeah, because who needs Evil Knievel in an Evil Knievel special? <laughs> he didn't jump the shark at he, all. He No, he did, but he landed wrong. His problem was always the landing. But you mean he hurt himself? Not in the, the jumping. Okay. <laughs> In the rehearsal and then went on to do it or no, didn't? No, was rushed to the hospital with broken bones. What and, was the special? Oh. What did they do? All the other like side acts. Yeah. <laughs> and occasionally uh, they'd cut away to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and the doctor would say, we're, we're extracting a, a shark's fin. <laughs> you know, what's funny that's in the book that you talk about, and it's a really funny scene, is them trying to get the sharks and they don't get good sharks. No, they're awful they're, sharks. They're like... Small sharks oh. that <laughs> like, they're like little lemon they're, sharks. They're, oh. they're in no way. He's he's basically jumping, you know, uh, koi with <laughs> larger dorsal fins. And they had a camera in the pool just in case he landed in the pool. You could see the shark eat him. Oh my god! And the sharks were treated horribly, and like a bunch of them died on their way from Florida to Chicago. 
where they held this in the mi- middle of the winter in January. Stuff you couldn't get around. I mean, Jesus. now if you want to abuse a shark, it's much harder. <laughs> oh, good. You looked into it. <laughs> oh, trust me. I have a beef with those sharks. <laughs> but the, the, the guy's whole career was so spectacularly bizarre that that just i didn't know anything about evil knievel really like that i missed that when i was a kid i was yeah much more focused on like comic books and baseball and um but i have some friends that are really into it and and uh they really loved him and johnny knoxville is actually one of them who like he i mean he did it and he's got the scars to prove yeah and he did a documentary about him called being evil that's really good yeah it really kind of gets into the fact that this guy was kind of like a charlatan he was just like a showman uh, larger than life who was able to like convince people that this was something real. And so that just seemed like a really good character to have. And so much of the stuff in the book as actual things that happened to him, for instance, he had this movie where he played himself called Viva Knievel. And it was a huge flop. Right. And, uh, and, and that also takes place in 1977. It's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it 
It's less filling, Miller Lite, or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The 70s are filled with, oh, let's just try it. <laughs> and in this crazy kind of way, like it's true, the Brady, the Brady, the Brady Bunch, which uh, you know, has been had been off the air for like five years. And someone said, what if they had a variety show and we dress them all kind of like Evil Knievel, like in jumpsuits? Right. And we put them in a giant, giant soundstage with a Olympic-sized swimming pool. And uh, we got a bunch of uh, synchronized swimmers, women <laughs> as synchronized swimmers, to do Esther Williams stuff from the 1940s. Right. And we'll have them all sing songs and dance. You mean the kids from the Brady Bunch know how to sing songs and dance? No. I have no idea. <laughs> That's right. not important. It's the 70s. We're all on coke. Who cares? <laughs> right. And then they're like, Eve Plum won't do it. She says it compromises her. Because, Just get another blonde lady. Uh, they did. They replaced Eve Plum. <laughs> Just get someone else. The middle daughter. And they got a different person to but play her. And they never addressed. integrity reasons she wouldn't no, do it? No, I don't know why oh. she wouldn't do it. I think at the time she thought she heard Olympic-sized pool and she said, this probably doesn't sound good. If they had come to her like three years later, she'd have said, where do I sign? But right. uh, it was just it was just a crazy time. I went out to dinner last night and, and the, our waitress um, was uh, raised on a houseboat. And I said, oh, like Quincy. And the, the blank stare that she gave me, you know, Quincy M.E.? <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem. There's a generational gap. Do you not know who Quincy is? I don't know who Quincy is. Jack Klugman is. played. Uh, oh, Jack Klugman. Do you know Jack Klugman? No. Do you know the Odd Couple? Yeah. We're okay. talking about human lives. Yeah. <laughs> I don't 
don't know what you're doing. Quincy. Quincy. That's Quincy. Oh, Quincy. Quincy was a show about a medical examiner. Of course. He's played by Jack Klugman, and it was kind of a big show. Huge. And and he lived on, to give him some color, they had him live on a houseboat. He was a ladies' man. And he was a ladies' man. okay. He was a ladies' man. But my medical examiner. My favorite, I saw a trailer once for a Quincy episode, this in real time in the late 70s, and they said, and tune in tonight. You know, Quincy goes to the track for some fun and it shows a horse racing and it shows the actor who plays Quincy Jack Clement going, go, 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 when the horse goes down and you see the horse collapse and you see like literally hooves in the air. And then they say, um, uh, they uh, Quincy, they just have a shot of Quincy and he's looking down at the horse and he looks up dramatically and he went, this horse was murdered. <laughs> That's so good. And I, was I like, can't believe was I like, don't know this. It was this. like 1980, and I was jumping up and down in front of my TV set. This horse was murdered. But that's one of the shows that, what, what was the show you did uh, with uh, with uh, Adam West? It was- uh, Look Well. Yeah. Look Well. Did a, 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 Robert Smigel and I did a pilot for Adam West called Look Well about a- um, Like a, and, that, and Quincy was one, like Banachek, Quincy- uh, all those shows, Mannix, Mannix, were like, like it, they were part of what inspired you. Yes, there were a guy who doesn't play by the rules. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> come on. Yeah, but he's like in part of the system. He does a no, no, yeah, he, but he does it his job. way. <laughs> okay. and, and also, they're always people are always saying to him, Quincy, come on, it was a clear heart attack. No, it wasn't, and I'll prove it. And then he goes rushing off, and um, it's so much. Go on YouTube and look at these Quincy clubs. There's one. I'm okay. Go ahead. Quincy clips. I'm okay. No, go do no, that. No, no, right no. Now. I'm busy that day. No, 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 no. Just <laughs> <laughs> put the kids to sleep early. No, like wait, at three wait in the afternoon. Early. <laughs> you, you know what I, you would like, Gorley? There's change like, my kids. Gorley, you know what schedule. you would like? What? And then we'll move on to more prosperous areas. But I swear to God, there's a clip out there. There's an episode where uh, Quincy encounters the phenomenon of like punk music oh. and punk dancing. And Something bad happens to somebody, and no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. They actually tried to recreate it, but it's like 1970s TV writers' oh. conception of, and it's the band is like yelling death, death, murder, hate, <laughs> and Quincy's in the audience going, "What's happening? What's wrong? This song was murdered. This song was murdered. <laughs> Very They're nice. doing Cole Porter. Right. It's like when Elizabeth Berkeley on Saved by the Bell got addicted to. Uh, Caffeine. That I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that kind of like. See, now you're edging up into territory that Sona yes. knows. Now yeah. I know. I'm trying to bring yeah. it bring it up a little bit. Thank you for it doing that. It reminds me of the time Big Time Rush made that movie <laughs> where they went to London and the bad guys tried to get them. Huh? Did I went, now I went too far into. Dude, I know who Big Time Rush is, but I don't know what movie you're talking about. Well, it's, it's, it's good it's... to know about everything, Sona. <laughs> it's good to know about everything. My kids don't know any of, of the stars that I know or, or, yeah. or think Well, that's what I'm, what's interesting to me is I grew up knowing about stuff in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And, you know, once you're, once it's happening in your lifetime, you know it. But sometimes I get the suspicion that now, a lot of kids don't know about anything that happened before them. Is that just me being a cranky I, old I guy? Think, I think that might be you being a little bit of a, I mean, people know older things, but the things that you know are like shows that ran for one season that no one else talks about. I Quincy mean, was a, Quincy was a huge show. Quincy was big. Yeah. Was it guys? Yeah. yeah. Quincy okay. was a big show. Okay. It was a huge show. I, I think, mean, but I, there was also like three channels. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Everyone it was had a different to watch time. Quincy. And Quincy was so big. It was on all three channels. It was on all three channels. <laughs> Quincy. Simulcast. But it's the, but the opposite's also true. I don't know what it is what it's like with um your kids, but my kids know people 
that I have no idea what they're talking. Well, you know, when you go to the the CVS or whatever, and like the magazine cover, and I'm like, I have no idea who there are thirty well, people that's on re- the cover. Yes. But you know what? I don't know who any of that's them are. reality television. But, but I think okay. because a lot of it is, you know, Janet tells Kristen she better back off because. You know, Nico right. is hers, and it's something from Below Deck, the underwater series, whatever. And I don't know <laughs> what any of it show. is. That's a really good show. It can't show. be. It no. can't be. Uh, Sonar doesn't know who I am. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's still figuring it out. Uh, who are you? Yeah, who are yeah. you again? Uh, yeah, I think it's funny because I was wondering these books must be a nice, because your day job, I would think, gets very intense. Yes. And then so you spend a day talking about. Is the system poss- that was constructed 240 years ago possibly crumbling? And then it's okay, you can go home now. And maybe it's fun to go into a room and be these imaginary yep. people that live in a different time. Yep. And just, uh, uh, yes. And during, um, yeah, during this political era, it's nice to run away from it all. Although there's a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of resonance for what is going on today in this book because. The two plots, so it's Ike and Lucy tell the story, their brother and sister. Ike is with Evil Knievel in Montana. And that is that becomes like kind of a plot about demagogues and people who follow demagogues. Like, why would you follow? Like, Evil Knievel decides he's going to run for president, kind of like a publicity stunt. And he and, his, and this gang uh, of people who are living in the woods of Montana start uh, following him to Washington, D.C. to raise hell. And then Lucy is working for a brand new tabloid in uh, Washington, D.C. called the Washington Sentinel, which uh, is being started by a British media magnate named Max Lyon, who is very obviously loosely based on Rupert Murdoch. I in the book, you originally called him Goopert Durdock. <laughs> <laughs> you saw an early draft. <laughs> and then your lawyers got involved. Goopert. Goopert Gurdock. Hello, mate. <laughs> Goopert Gurdock's the name. Oh, my God. I've never heard your Australian accent. Oh, was it's that Australian? <laughs> I thought that's, that was fantastic. That's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> 77, do you get into any Star Wars in there? Star Wars oh, is mentioned. mentioned. Okay. It's mentioned at the beginning. Just, just checking just due check diligence. Uh, I, yeah. No, I can, uh, I can, Rachel, the girl he's in love with, uh, uh, reference uh, going to see Star Wars. Also, the, a film that I'm sure you're familiar with called Tentacles. Okay. One of a million uh, Jaws knockoffs. Oh, okay. Horrible movie starred Henry Fonda. Like, oh. it has all these huge actors. Um, it's about a giant octopus. I imagined. And um, what you might not know is that uh, octopus, octopi, don't even have tentacles. They have arms. So it wasn't even named correctly. Wow. Why? Why what? <laughs> why, what? Why, why everything? <laughs> well, it was just again, this is called the late 70s. Yes. And that summer of 77, I remember really well because I, I was and am a huge Elvis fan. And that's the summer that Elvis died. Which mm-hmm. is also a plot point in the book. Oh. They, and the big caravan of Evil Knievel, they stop at Graceland and mourn Elvis. And then he jumps over the casket. <laughs> <laughs> And crashes. You know, Gra- Graceland, by the way, at the time was not a museum. It was just where he lived. That's where he lived. Yeah. yeah. So. My house is now a museum even before I go. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> like just, your presidential and I'm library? The one, it's like when you go room to room and you push a button, it's me there. <laughs> this is where I read the paper. Have you ever been in Graceland? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like the White House, surprisingly small. Yeah, it is uh, very small. I mean, you can imagine when Elvis got Graceland and he's like 20. Right. And he buys this house. It, he couldn't imagine a bigger home. And then all these years later, now that we live in this era of like McMansions and have people being in big spaces, Graceland is like, oh, this is cozy. It's nothing like Coneland. 
No, <laughs> which I've been to. I'm going to build a cone land. Yeah, I'm going to build it. It's cone land the, is quite nice. I'm sure you. I'm it's sure gonna, it's going to be in the Smoky all, Mountains. Have they all? Have they all been to Cone Land? Have they uh, been? You both have been to my home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, beautiful. of course. And there are a few times you don't even know it. Oh, that's I saw you. Weird. The camera caught you once. That uh, I wanted that to happen. <laughs> cone Land is, be- is beautiful. Yeah, a lot of. T- it's a big tourist attraction. I'm the only guy that. It's trying to get the, the <laughs> celebrity Starbucks to go by. I'm like waving them in. You, actually, you know, hello. Actually, you send out co- uh, Sona to, to give maps. I do. Yeah. To, yes. the, to the map people. Yeah, and yeah. it's just your house. Right. <laughs> or sometimes I'm just say, I just say, I'm Adam Sandler's house. <laughs> and then from behind the hedge, I go, I want to talk. By the way, he killed at uh, he killed at the at the Sandler Mark Twain Award. You did a great job. It was fun. It was a really fun night. Conan did a great job. He he definitely put a lot of work into it in a good way. I mean, yeah, you got it. You got to prepare. You got to prepare. It's the way I prepare for these things. But I'm just saying, Mr. Tipper, <laughs> 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 with his new book, all the de- demons, demons, be here. all the demons. Are yes, here. All, all the, the demons, demons, are, demons here. are here. Um, well, you know, so let's talk about other crazy things that happened in '77. So, Summer of Sam. Yep. 77. Remember that being a big deal. Do you know what that is? Yeah. The, the, he, he killed killer. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah he and he said that his dog. He killed a tickled. He tickled. He killed. Back then, tickling was a really bad crime. <laughs> it was a capital But offense. they never found out who it was. Yes, they did. Oh, just yeah. kidding. Sam. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Sam. David was, Berkowitz. Of course. Still yeah. in prison. And he heard voices. Yes, from there his dog. There we go. Okay. From his dog. I get my serial killer. You know, they confused. should have arrested the dog when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. So what did I just said to do? I didn't mean anything to really do it. Even your dog is Nixon. I, I am not a crook. <laughs> oh All roads lead back to Nixon. Always. Uh, uh, Studio 54 opens. Oh. Yep. oh. Studio 54 opens. Saturday Night Live is uh, really hitting its stride by 77. It's a huge thing. The uh, New York City blackout. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of stuff. Jimmy Carter. Takes office. Elvis dies. Horrible, horrible. Oh, and guess who dies shortly after Elvis dies and no one pays attention because the Elvis news is so big. Groucho Marx. Is that true? Yep. (gasps) I remember being also a huge Marx Brothers fan and shortly after Elvis dies, Groucho Marx passes away and he gets kind of a We'll take a brief moment from all this Elvis coverage. Uh, yeah. That's Rachel like Farrah Fawcett on the same day as Michael Jackson. Yeah. Farrah Fawcett Majors died and then Michael Jackson died like an hour or two later. And uh, she really, she she got short shrift. I'm going to have my publicist do a lot of calling around before I pass. <laughs> Anybody out there? Any big stars? Because Conan O'Brien's about to go. He'd like to reserve this afternoon block. Yeah, he wants the whole afternoon and into the evening. How's, uh, how's Kimmel feeling? <laughs> Kimmel's fine. He took care of himself. Oh, how about Colbert? Well, Colbert, he's okay. He's going to hang in for at least another month. Good. All right, well, I'm out then. <laughs> and then just as I'm, I'm going to start to just go up to see the light, I'm going to start, my, my soul is going to start to leave my body, and then a massive star <laughs> is going to be killed in a balloon. Yeah. And I'm going to jump back into my body. That would, that would stick be, around. that would be a feat. I can do that. You should, you should, uh, you should write a book about that. That's a great idea. Literally as a, as a, as a novel. <laughs> you should a guy who's obsessed with getting the most coverage possible. Be, trying to figure out how to do it. <laughs> it's really, it's actually a really good idea. But, I don't know if it's a book as much if it's like a 40 minute funny movie. Well, it's a, and it's, who, who does it in, uh, is it Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn that sees his own funeral? I forget which one it is. You're the Mark Twain expert. You tell me. Yeah. Well, I didn't get the prize. <laughs> Well, you did deserve I? it, but you didn't. Thank you so much. You didn't pass the quiz. No, I that didn't. Sandler did. Uh, I believe, isn't it Huck Finn who's up in a tree and watches his own? 
What's yeah, that? So Tom Sawyer. So Tom Sawyer. Yes, Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer. Thank you so much for, for getting that for us. It is. It's Tom Sawyer. Tom no, Sawyer. I know. Some people think it's Huck Finn, but it's not. It's Tom but Tom Sawyer. Sawyer sees his own funeral. Yeah. But what if there were a guy who, like you, wanted to see the I spe- do want to see my spectacular funeral. media coverage that you get? Well, here's the other problem. We all know that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> it also is so, so much of its timing. I can say as somebody who covers, covers these things, covers these things. So, so, for instance, Tina Turner, right? She died in like it was announced in an afternoon, right? Like like maybe like two o'clock, and it got a ton of coverage. But she was also, I mean, she, she was, was a legend, huge legend. Uh, uh, but yeah. I'm telling you, like some of it is just timing. Like some of it has to do with like how big is the other news going on that So day. no, this is on you. You need to organize this. Oh no, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't so have that... to be the death of him. You don't have to coordinate when he dies, but when it's announced. No, bury it at a Friday at 5 p.m. <laughs> I know. It's going to be my last thing I do for you and I'm going to botch it. During the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> Also, it's how you go. I think if I can, you know, like if I bought a Zeppelin and I took it up, you know what I mean? And collided with another Zeppelin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's got to be spectacular. You you can't die of natural causes. Wait a minute. Attacked by a lion while in a Zeppelin. Oh. Flying thousands of feet in the air. It could be like rescuing someone. Like like a... Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Like you're heroic. It's a heroic death. We We didn't appreciate him while he was here. We didn't know... We didn't talk enough about his heroic side. Oh, hey, how about this, Jake? You're in the news business, yeah. and I could uh, I could slip you a couple of bucks. <laughs> let's say, however I go, and yeah. let's say it's even if it's uh, it, you know just not it's it's not great. If you're like on the I toilet. Yeah, and I have I just had like Which is how I just had yeah. very bad diarrhea. <laughs> And I died of diarrhea, and it was just <laughs> three days name. of it. And, and people, doc- die, people die of diarrhea, Sona. That's a real <laughs> no. thing. How yes, do you it is. die? Like you, what do you, you know, lose? All your water and your nourishment. Dysentery? So my point oh. is, that Google it. Google no, it. it. It's not, yeah, let me Google it's not, that real it's not one. It's not one bout of diarrhea. Okay. It's like days and days and no, weeks. No, 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 but mine is oh, one God. long one bout. One is just an explosion. <laughs> it's one long explosion. And so my point is, that's how I go. I'm going to have Sona contact you, Jake, and you're going to say, try to foil a robbery to protect. Oh. You know, you've got to. But what if Sona says, like, in a bizarre diarrhea accident? Yeah, and I take pictures of it, and I post them up right. everywhere. I'm you sorry. I'm not the one to trust with this. Yeah. Speaking of which, can I say something about Elvis? I, like, so I learned while writing this book that one of the reasons why some people blamed uh, Rupert Murdoch for the death of Elvis Presley, and I'll tell you why, because he had a couple uh, bodyguards that that his dad, Vernon, fired, and then they well st- Elvis Elvis is uh, okay, yeah, and they didn't they El- did a tell all yes Elvis is uh, two of Elvis's bodyguards one was uh, Red West right and the other I can't remember which one it was uh, Blue East no it's in the back it's I'll, I'll tell you <laughs> what Blue East what oh, I have Matt. I have uh, I'm contributing. I have you're not contributing anything. Oh, Look, you're reading through your own book now. Someone well, I have, as you know, I do. Do they ever cut back to you on CNN and you <laughs> forgot and you're reading your own book? It's re- no. That's it's, the way to get cover up. Red West, yeah. Sunny West, and Dave Hebler. Okay. As told to Steve Dunleavy. Right. Who worked for. The New York Post who worked for Murdoch. And they, so they sold this book and this book came out. And some people think it's so depressed Elvis by... The book was called Elvis, What Happened? And it was his two bodyguards saying, yeah. man, is he in rough shape, Elvis. And many people think that that was one of that the that things... That was that... one of the precipitating events that caused him to, like, overdose, and that's how he died. And so yeah. there are people out there who blame Rupert Murdoch for 
the death of Elvis Presley. Mm. I mean, because because he published the book, Steve Dunleavy. And there might be that. other things to get mad at Rupert Murdoch about before. That's I'm that's not saying I'm, I'm one of, and also like they were telling them their story about Elvis was true. I mean, what they were saying about him was accurate, right? Nobody disputes that. But anyway, how did you know about Red West and Sunny West? Oh, I know all kind. I just I, I think I think I know a lot about. He's an Elvis fanatic. Well, a fanatic is a little crazy. You're, yeah, I know a lot you, about. You're a big th- fan of his. When I know, when I, when I have areas of interest, I go deep, and yeah. then I know a lot about it. And so that would okay. include. But I think that that spreads over a wide area. There are many areas of interest, whether it's Elvis Presley, Elvis Costello, uh, Lou Costello of Abbott and Costello. <laughs> oh. Those are my three areas of interest. <laughs> um, now, let me ask you a question uh, about your life, which is when it's been a really tough news day yeah. and you're watching things go down that maybe can worry you as a husband and a father, are you able to go home and shake that off and say, oh, it really depends. I mean, so- sometimes, yes. I mean, look, most news is not good news, right? Most right. news is is negative in some way or another. Um, like some things are very distressing. Obviously, the the school shootings are very upsetting. Uh, war is very upsetting. You know, January sixth was very upsetting. That sort of thing, and it's tough. It's tough to shake it off. But generally speaking, I, I go home and I try to change the subject. Mm-hmm. I try to yeah, just be with the kids and be, be with the wife and not. I don't watch news. I'll watch you or I'll watch other things on streaming or whatever but like i'll try not to watch uh, any news when i go home do you uh i mean i guess twitter has become a different thing but uh it's really weird now isn't it do you, are yeah you, are you on it like the algorithm I, I got off i i couldn't yeah I, it's it interesting because i didn't go on it that much but there are certain ways where you can get the news in kind of a straightforward way on twitter and then uh, i felt like it started to change and now i'm seeing a lot of stuff that just really depresses me and I feel like I'm uh, a very heavy lens has been put in front of me that's distorting the picture. I feel like there, there's an algorithm that look all social media has this now where they I mean they've all been doing this for their exacerbating and making us see conflict and hate and stuff like that. But I feel like this new um, permutation of of Twitter is like it's showing me things I don't want to see. Like there's a whole I you know I have the people I follow and mm-hmm. I want to read them, but like it defaults to some other group of tweets that like I don't who are, I don't want to watch. I don't want to read these tweets from these people. Who are they? Right. Like they've added this thing of like here are tweets that we would like you to read, as opposed uh. to this is what you this is what you would like to read. Yeah, yeah. from you know really awful people, mm. and I don't know. I mean, it's just strange to me, but. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. All you see online is extremes. Right. Like the people in the middle aren't really that active. It's the people yeah. who are extreme who are just but the just, loudest. Are you just talking about Twitter or are you talking about all social media? All of them. All really? this like when I go on Reddit, I feel like it's like sometimes it's very doomsy. Well, of course it's Reddit. What are you, what are you talking <laughs> about? Like, that's like I when know, I go into the dark web, it takes a turn. Yes. Yeah. There's... Well, can I just say, even the pornography I watch is very, <laughs> it's very doomsday. It's always like, let's do it. What's the point? <laughs> we'll be dead soon. And then, wong chunka, wong chunka, wong chunka. Yeah. You look tense. Wong chunka. Wong yeah. chunka, that's your porn music? I thought it was shaka bow bow. Well, that, <laughs> I watch, listen, I like to score my own pornography. Wong chunka, wong chunka, Everybody, wong chunka tonight. Everybody, wong chunka tonight. You listen on mute, and then you do the music for it. Yeah. <laughs> mm, what the, what a turn on. <laughs> 
I'm I like to mute the porn <laughs> and then put my own music in. And voices. La, 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 la. <laughs> sound effects. <laughs> oh, boy, never, here I go. <laughs> I've never heard one chucka chucka. Oh, like, I've just never. Oh, chucka chucka chucka. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I thought it was more of like of, a, that's like a Beretta episode. It's a gr- I thought it was a, agreed upon that it was shaka bow bow. I thought it was. Oh, nice. When was the was last that? time you guys watched porn? None 1977. Of this is, okay. It's in the book. <laughs> yeah. That was the summer of porn. We were all, except during the blackout. <laughs> yeah. When suddenly all the porn went dark. <laughs> That's the blackout. No, when Elvis passed, we all had to do something to recover. <laughs> so we watched four porn. Four years old. And of course, that porn went a wong chunk a wong chunk a I'm telling you, this is all true. It's all in the book. There's what no the porn music. There's, there's no porn in the book. No, what there's no the porn. There is no music. porn in no, the what's book. Your, Don't worry. Like, uh, if you were to do porn music, what would it be? It wouldn't be. There would be no music. It's just the squishing sound. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> all right. like, what are they making? Latkes? <laughs> Before they have sex? It's the this, squishing this, sound. This is not a squishing no, sound. No, that's a clapping sound. Yeah, I know. I can't squish with my hands properly. Like Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, there we like go. That. We have like a respected it. newsman here. <laughs> I know. And no, what's uh, going on? people rely on him Somebody to find out great... what's happening. <laughs> and this is what you do with it, Sona? <laughs> I you didn't do take this? us down this road. Uh, well, well Gorley and I put beautiful music yeah. to beautiful. pornography. Uh-huh. And then you come along with your physical sound. <laughs> your squishy noise. Apparently, you and your husband high five each other during sex. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's a, a squishing sound. <laughs> that's just like a squ- We did it! it. <laughs> the Clippers scored another hit. Listen to that crowd squish. <laughs> Your babies are good, though, you said. Yeah, well, come on. Why do you have to go to my babies? For you just. Porn? Because, well, you. Because all of a sudden we were talking about you having sex. So, <laughs> like, like. God, yeah, they're good. They're the, gonna be the two. only time. Uh, yes, you had babies. Yes, that's I, what did. I know. And last time I did this podcast, you were about to have twins. And you you suggested I name them Leopold and Loeb, which is <laughs> <That's> a fantastic <laughs> yeah. idea. That's great. I think Leopold and Loeb is the perfect name for yeah, them. Yeah, Eric and Lyle. Any? There's so many. <laughs> Eric so and Lyle is a good one. There are so many killing duos. Sach- Sacco and Vanzetti. Sacco and Vanzetti. Well, pro- <laughs> were they guilty? We don't know. Uh-oh. Right, Uh-oh. fat man and little boy. Yeah. Oh my, oh my God. Oh wow. Those oh my are, God. Those are the nuclear bombs. We yes, yes they, they are. are. That's sorry. right. That's right. Well, I don't know. I mean, what if I'm just saying, if one of her kids were a little chubbier than the other one, that could be well, fat man or, and little boy. Yeah, one's a little thicker. Well, yeah. there you go. There you go. That's great. He's probably listening right now, and a single tear is going down his cheek. <laughs> yeah, he's listening. To <laughs> Mama thinks I'm chunky. <laughs> uh, I want to make sure I mention this. All the demons uh, are here. This book is out. There's a large uh, chunk at the end, which is telling you, it's giving you basically factual follow-ups. The end notes are just, uh, I put those in the end of, at the end of every book so people right. can know what's real and what's not real from all the stuff I write about because there's historical fiction. It's historical fiction, so there's real things. And if you want to know, you know, did, Jacob, did Jake make up Viva Knievel or is that a real movie? And you just go, no, Viva Knievel was a real film. And then I do the review from the 1977 Daily Variety. In the most daring feat of his career, Evil Knievel leaps over a mountain of blazing cliches in a cavernous plot. <laughs> that's so real. You know what? I think that critic had made up their mind before they went. I think they went, you know, to hate Evil Knievel's movie. I would have written a wonderful review for that movie. Uh, well, I think Gene Kelly was in it. Well, this is there was an era. Do you remember the was it the Swarm? 
It was about bees, killer mm-hmm. bees coming up, and they got huge stars to be in these. All things. the Irwin Allen disaster. And also, films. all the Irwin Allen disaster films had the biggest Hollywood stars of the 30s and 40s and 50s were in disaster movies in the late 70s and 80s. Yeah, and it's mostly them saying, "My God, how could this have happened?" <laughs> Think about the Towering Inferno. It had Paul Newman and Steve McQueen and O.J. Simpson and Fred Astaire. That's right. Keep going. Uh, That's it. Fire. Um, Roddy McDowell's in all of them. <laughs> right. And George Kennedy. Uh, George Kennedy is in every almost every disaster movie. But you know, uh, so the, you talked about the killer bees thing in the swarm. We've alienated so many people on this podcast. So can I just today. tell you about the swarm? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> not the swarm, but the killer bees. So when so in the 70s, this was a legitimate fear. Who's old enough to only, are you the only, no, you, you maybe you too. No, no. <laughs> you, I love that you pointed to Blay, who's actually about 22. <laughs> But he, remember went a, Kill- he went through a horrifying <laughs> experience two years ago. Do you remember Killer yeah. Bees? Okay, yeah, so Killer Bees were a big thing that were going to kill us all. So, right. They were coming from South America. They were coming, They did a horror movie about it called The Swarm. They did, there was an NBC did a special about it. And researching this book, I found out that it was all pretty much invented by Rupert Murdoch to sell papers. Oh, my God. God he sucks. In San Antonio. I'm not prepared to say that. The, oh. first, <laughs> the first newspaper, Cooper. he bought these San Antonio newspapers, and they basically scared the shit out of the country to sell papers. And the killer bees were a real thing, but it was, you were, they were, it was going to take years for them to get to the United States. And you only really... It wasn't like one right. w- one would sting you. It'd be like like a thousand would have to sting you to, to kill you. Anyway, no, no, it was it was a. I remember it was a again an incredibly cheesy, kooky movie about the killer bees coming and taking over towns. And I remember there's at one point I think it was Michael Caine was a scientist in it, and he in said, the swarm? Is that "And right? I don't do a Michael Caine impression. It'll just be Nixon again." But no, <laughs> the, but Michael Caine says, "I can't believe it was the bees. They've always been our friends." Like. <laughs> It, like of all the of all the insects, it was the bees. It's more like um, I can't believe it was the bees. Oh. It was the bees. You know, it's just a slow. It's a slow. I'm really shocked. It's not. I a can't good, believe. Okay, but there you go. It was the bees. Well, oh, no, no, that took a turn. Well, <laughs> well, I'll try again. There you go. <laughs> there, again. there it is. There it bees. is. I love bees, Mary Poppins. <laughs> all right, all right, fool. Do you remember? Do you remember <laughs> the, when like, I'm the voice of reason here? <laughs> Then uh, the shit has hit the fan. Do you remember when? Uh, do you remember the horror movie starring Michael King called The Hand? I just watched that. Did you watch? Really? Yes, I haven't seen that. Oh, I adore that movie. He it's is horrible. a cartoonist uh-huh. who loses his hand in a car accident, mm-hmm. and then the hand starts killing people. Mm-hmm. The hand escapes and starts killing people. And then, should we do the spoiler alert? Or, or? Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't well, worry about it. You're not sure whether it's, is it's it in his he's head? imagining it or it's manifesting his like, desire is he to killing, kill Is people? he killing people yeah. and he's imagining that it's his hand creeping along? I'm going to say no. I'm going for it's actually the hand. Correct. But you don't find yeah. that out to like the last minute of the movie. It's the 70s. I didn't and wrote it. Oliver Stone, yep. who plays a cameo as a bum in that movie yep. too. Yeah. We um oh, wow. we got more time. Let's cover some movies. <laughs> Atlanta, got- you're live. <laughs> Atlanta, you're on the air. <laughs> this is what talking to you does, Jake. I know. Because your books are filled with uh, all this stuff. Then the next thing you know, we're talking about the hand. Yeah. And so we might as well get the word out on the hand. Yeah. Uh, I think written and directed by Oliver Stone. Yeah. And that same old story about a cartoonist who loses his hand, <laughs> 1981, and the hand, of course, goes out and kills people. Yeah. yeah. So check that out. I'm sure that's one of those movies that when you look for it on streaming, you will not find it. Oh, I got, I got places. 
I'm got PlayStation. We know you have dark web. You go to yeah. Sona's yeah. house for, yeah. and check out her dark web yeah. Yeah. where yeah. she has the squishy porn. Reddit, I'm going to watch Reddit subreddit Tonight, I'm gonna squish watch. porn. Yeah. <laughs> High five. All right. Uh, Jake Tapper, book. It's a thriller. All the demons are here. <laughs> book. It's a book. Go and read it. Book. No, you're a New York Jake Times Tapper, bestselling author. Yep. This is a big deal. Yep. It's a cool thing. Well, thank you so much. You guys are very, you're very kind. We're not professional. I don't know that we've helped you in any way. Yeah. But we I think all... your listeners read books. I think they do. They do. They're very. We're trying I think to. You're we're a smart. We're trying. Smart. We're trying to weed them out. I think you have smart. We listeners. do. We I have really actually. We're very. I'm. Uh, we have very cool fans yes. and very erudite fans. I believe. Mm-hmm. All right, Jake Tapper. Thanks, guys. God it's bless. Great to be here. Go in peace. Thank you so much. I gotta say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit. Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever. Okay? Okay. But lately I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do. Partner events where you can build on each other's boards and Crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for. Or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. (laughs) There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts or money sprees that have fun new mini games. Plus, with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah. And we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up. And I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. I was editing 
podcast not long ago, and I don't know if you remember this, but in one of the intros, we had a conversation where you were talking about how you told your dad when you're eating a meal, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like this. And your dad said, I don't, I don't know what you like. No, he said, why should I care yeah, what why? you like and don't yeah. like? That's yeah. Poor. Despite all of our little sibling rivalry have here, you know, I think you're a very funny guy. You did this voice on there where you're, you're, you're that age Conan telling your father what you like. Uh-huh. And I was editing and I was fucking rolling. What, Do you remember the, it was? I don't remember the voice. Father. Father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that guy. And what I really like to do is when I'm really doing a prissy young fellow, I like to say instead of father, the Latin pater. <laughs> oh, pater. Pater. Oh, and I have a, and I have a little bell. A ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. Pater. <laughs> yes, son, what is it? Mm, pater. It should be clear now. I know I'm one of six and I'm in the middle. But I think you'd know by now, I'm not a fan of half and half. I like 2%. Well, half and half is just a little too thick, but 2%, it gets it just right. It's not quite as mm, viscous, S-A-T word. You lousy punk. Oh, Pater. Don't get your, don't get your panties in a bunch, Pater. Come here, come here, I'll smash you. You have to catch me first. (laughs) I've got one of those old-timey bicycles with a giant front wheel. It's called a velocipede, or a penny farthing, if you will. I'm getting upon it right now, and you'll have to catch me. Whee! Then I'm zipping around the room. My father's in his lab coat trying to catch me. Come here, you creep. You lousy. Again, so that we don't forget, Pater. 2% is on the money for me. 1%'s too thin. Half and half's too thick. I love that the other five children are 100% normal children, and you're the only one in that family who wears a little beanie. I will tell you a true story, which is, this is an absolutely true story about my brother, Luke. We lived in Brookline, Massachusetts, and we would walk. There was this store that we would go to and uh, it was like a small grocery and our parents would send us, my mom would send us an errands. Like, can you go get some hamburger? Can you get this? Can you get that? The store was in this one area where these like, there were these tougher kids, like the Irish Catholic kids that played hockey, which my brother and I definitely were not. They were the ones that played hockey and they kind of knew those are those weird kids. Their father's like a scientist and they read. <laughs> and they, uh, they, and I think we kind of stuck out and they thought we were strange. We were walking over. My brother Luke is very, very highly intelligent. He's really smart and he was really mo- very precocious at that age, much smarter than I was and still much smarter than I am. And we would, we walked down to Star Market one day and these tough kids came over and they kind of half surrounded us and they were sort of pushing us. And the thing to say, at least in our town in those days, was if you wanted to say something negative about someone, you say, what are you, mental? What are you, mental? You know, it was like, hey, what are you, mental? And they were kind of shoving us a little bit and they were saying to Luke, what are you, mental? And Luke actually said to them, well, mental is Latin and it implies of the mind. So that's kind of a compliment. Thank you very much. Bam! (laughs) The beating that ensued lasted for 20 minutes. I was on your side till he said that. Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, you know, I do remember that. 
I know. And, you know, Luke, Luke weighed all of like 80 pounds and uh, I probably weighed 81 pounds and he was older than me, but he had like, I don't know, he had been a little sickly. So anyway, it was just absolutely. <laughs> what do you do when your brother, do you just hide? Oh, I, I think I said, I don't know him. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Even though we look identical. Yeah, you guys look so much alike. Yeah, people did think we were twins practically, but I was. I think I pretty much had a standard line, which is, I don't know this man. Um, <laughs> I'll help you hit him. And yes, if anyone gets tired hitting him, uh, I'm a pretty good hitter. Here's so, a stick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you don't have to use your fist. There's some rocks over here. That way you don't bruise your knuckles. And, and then Luke, of course, at the bottom of the pile would say, well, rocks are actually, they're denser than the actual bone of a fist. So I think Conan's got a good point. You know, it, the Greeks believed. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you, mental? Well, Latin does Father. imply, yes. And then I'd run home to tell my father, Pater, Pater, some hooligans are thrashing Luke. What? Which one's Luke? Luke is the one one year older than I. But a year separates us. Of the six, he is two, and I am three. Oh, Pater, what a thrashing he's taking. <laughs> I don't have time to do anything. What am I supposed to do about it? I'm a microbiologist. Father, you say you're a microbiologist. Why do you sound like a prize fighter? <laughs> you lousy. By the way, did you pick up that 2%? <laughs> Not the time. Yeah. Oh, All right, God. Well, anyway, oh, a little glorious. Luke, I love you. Glory. You're still smarter and better than me, but man, <sighs> shouldn't have whipped out that Latin in front of <laughs> those hockey players. <sighs> and for that, I mean, that's on you, man. Yeah. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Liao, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.